Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Excited for our next installment of Mosaic, the stories of real estate. Great guest today, Kirk Wodell from Keller Williams in the greater Denver area. And join us for another great episode of Mosaic, the stories of real estate. Well, hello, everybody. This is Mike Nelson, the CEO of Efficient Lending uh, in our my favorite Rogue Media Network studios overlooking beautiful downtown Waco when we finally got a break from this heat. And we are still in our series uh, on Mosaic, the stories of real estate, and our series is Perspectives uh, from the Past. And today is our guest to have just a very close friend um, who we've done oh, some business together over the last uh, numerous years, Kirk Wodell. Keller uh, Williams real estate agent in the greater Denver market. And uh, so he's in Denver right now enjoying the beautiful fall colors uh, of Colorado. And, and if you've never seen the beautiful fall colors of Colorado, you've got to get out there because they are spectacular. But we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, Kirk, I think, uh, well, say hello, Kirk. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Kirk Waddell, uh, Keller Williams in Denver. Wonderful. So, Kurt, uh, do you remember, out of curiosity, do you remember how you and I met? You may, you may not. And I know I'm catching you off guard on that one. Do you remember how, how we got connected? You were a Zillow lead like, I don't know, a decade ago, I believe. <laughs> you, do rem- right? you do remember. You do remember. Yeah, yeah. I clicked on a Zillow link uh, like almost 10 years ago. I think it was eight years ago. And I wasn't in the market trying to buy real estate at the time. I was literally just interested in how Zillow leads were working or not. And it was a listing you were associated with and you called me. So you are right. That's exactly yep. what happened. Do you, do you remember where we met the first time we met? Um, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, we had coffee at uh, what was Dasbog there in Castle Pines. And uh, so Kirk and I uh, uh, sat down, had coffee and just kind of hit off our affinity. But in that coffee... You told me a great story about how you got started in real estate. So can, can you, uh, you I, I don't know if you remember, but it had door knocking was involved in it. So can you kind of tell us kind of how long you've been doing this and, and where you got your start and, and just kind of what you've been doing in real estate? Yeah, sure. Um, so I got licensed probably about 14 years ago uh, during the, the Great uh, Recession. Um, and I think we had 
something like, I don't know, 30,000 homes on the market. And we were taking probably average days on market was like a year. And in some cases, luxury market was three years on the market. <laughs> so um, I was trying to figure out how to get started uh, with, with really no sphere of influence or anything else. And I just noticed, you know, all these foreclosures were happening. Um, but what I realized is people who were in the situation who lost their job, got a foreclosure notice that their house, they weren't paying their mortgage because they lost their job. Their house is going to the, to the auction, the public trustee auction. They had no idea what to do and they didn't know who to turn to. Um, and so I kind of focused on, on helping those folks out where I would get the weekly foreclosure list of filings and I would go door knock, um, all these people in Douglas County and try to help them. And it wasn't just to go with their house. It was, okay, have you talked to a HUD counselor, you know, go talk to a HUD counselor for free, um, and, figure out your situation and then you can kind of decide what's best, you know, what options best for you in your current situation. Um, because I think a lot of these people too were getting preyed on by, you know, these unscrupulous investors who were, you know, saying, Oh, sign your, you know, sign your deed away, quick claim your house to me. And if they had some equity in it or a little equity in it, they, they would lose that. So I just felt, you know, two things. One, I needed to build my business, but also I liked helping people and and at least trying to advise them, you know, on their options and then let them just them decide what's best for them. So that's kind of how I got started, you know, back in 2009, 2010. So li- literally you started in either the worst uh, real estate market really probably in both of our lifetimes, uh, maybe 1980 might've been worse. Um, so you, you literally started when, when everybody else was getting out. Is that, is that pretty much right? Right. Like I didn't know any better here as far as, okay, yeah, the market was bad, but there in any market, there's always opportunity, whatever it is, whatever's mm-hmm. happening in the market, there's always opportunity in that market. And if you, and if you, embrace what's going on or kind of foresee where it's going, you know, you'll be fine. You know, you just make your own market and you gain more, actually you gain market share when other people lose market share. So when you you say you were door knocking, what what did those kind of activities look like back in 2008 and 2009? I mean, were you door knocking five days a week, six days a week, two days a week? Like how many doors would you, would you pull? I mean, what what did that physically kind of look like as you were going through that experience? So back then, I think, I think the weekly foreclosure list was anywhere from 15 to 30, 40 per week were hitting the NED, the notice of default list. And so I would get that list and check it daily and see how many were hitting per day. And the, the day they would hit uh, the county records, I would go knock on their door that afternoon or that evening. So I would I would say I was knocking five, at least five days a week, and it'd probably be between 20 and 30 doors a week. And then sometimes I would go back and, you know, they weren't home or didn't answer. I'd go back on the weekends and knock, re-knock those that I did 
get in touch with. So, so Keller Williams has always been on the cutting edge of technology for sure. I mean, I think we have talked in some of the open houses we've sat. I mean, Keller Williams is really a technology company. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Am I, am I? It's probably, it's pretty fair. Yeah. I would say okay. they were very technology focused. Well, what, what, what Gary Keller and, and the leadership there, what their whole philosophy is, you know, is it, your lead, the agent's lead, not the company's lead. So, like, if you're at another brokerage, a lot of them have these, you know, lead lead sources, but it goes into the the broker owner, and then they dole them out and charge the agent for that. Right. Where Keller Williams has always been your lead, you know, your it's it's your lead. So, like, with all these other tech companies out there that you're having to buy the different software packages and then if they got bought by another company or they could raise the fees whenever they wanted to and you were basically handcuffed to all these other technology companies. So what what Gary Keller did back in I think it was probably like twenty sixteen or so, he basically took his his wealth and dumped it into the command operating system of Keller Williams basically incorporating everything that was out there in the market you had to go pay for into one system that's included in in our normal fees. Like you, they, we didn't raise our fees for for this database or we didn't we didn't charge it extra for all the stuff. So it can plug in, you know, uh, auto texting, it can do your open houses and plug stuff into your database. It, it, I mean it's it's a bunch of different Technologies rolled into one, basically. So, but but back, okay. So, and that you said started in 2016. So, in 2008, when you were door knocking and you were mentioning you had to come back and forth and go, in, you know, to, to houses, were you you did you have a technical technological advantage at Keller as far as it se- it seems like your your discipline, your record collection, your marketing systems had to be really good in 2008, and the discipline you had to use you know, to follow up on those, all those leads. Do, do you think that you were having your success because you were just, you worked harder than everybody else? You worked smarter? Did you have a technological advantage? Kind of what, what was your secret sauce? Because it had to be discouraging because uh, foreclosed sales are hard to close and they take a long time. So th- these weren't easy, quick hitter deals by any stretch, right? Right, yeah. So 2008, nine. no, I mean, it was, you know, I think then we were on, I think it was a market leader database, which was, which was okay. But I think more than not, it wasn't any database or anything else. It was just consistency, period. Yeah, it's like, interesting. I was out there every day knocking some doors, whether it was, uh, you know, two or whether there was 20, I was knocking doors every day for probably about two years solid. And then that's when, and then also, you know, so the ones that turn into short sales, you know, I would list, you know, other ones I would just help and they're able to keep their home and do the loan modification or whatever else. Um, and I kept them in my, you know, kept in, in my database and everything else. But a lot of agents didn't want to deal with short sales because they were so hard because, you you know, yeah. there's so much work involved in dealing with negotiating with the banks and liens and everything else. Um, so you had, you had a couple of agents, you probably had about a good dozen agents, you know, that I knew of that would focus on that. Um, and then the other, you know, 10,000 agents wouldn't touch them. And right. so, right. 
it was it was a it was a twofold thing. So one, I had less competition for these listings, and then two, uh, we always got paid. You know, there was no problem for us getting our full normal commission because the bank would always pay it. So it wasn't. You know, it was basically you had to work and you had to stick with it. You know, some some short sales. You know, I would I would have I would go through four or five buyers before we got a close. Um, so it just it would just depend, but you definitely earned your money um, and helped these people out with their with their credit and everything else. Yeah, it's such an interesting. Um, w- one of the things in the market that we're sitting in today is this general. I just feel like you know I'd be interested in your thoughts on this on on this kind of there's there's a malaise in the market and a fear, and I, and so I I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. You really haven't been door knocking since, I mean, the door knocking business went away after Dodd-Frank and the regulation on mortgages, right? Because is there a big short, you know, foreclosure, short sale opportunity in the market today? No, I think I've seen maybe two, at least in Douglas County, right. short sales hit in the past year. <laughs> so um, that's not to say though, I mean, I think, but I, I I still close. It's, it's it's weird. I was referred to short sale last year and closed that because the agent didn't want to deal with it. So you know paid them their referral fee and and I got it done. And then I did another short sale the year before. So there there are still real ones here and there. Um, you we may see a little uptick in it in people who bought like last year, right? Yep, and if they yep. bought last year at the height in the spring of last year. And they got laid off with all these layoffs going on, um, and they can't afford the house with you know without at least two two paychecks. We may start seeing a couple more, but we're not going to go anywhere near what happened back in 08, 09. That's 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 not going to happen again because that was caused by the housing market and the lending practices. Where even if we have a recession, it's not directly caused by the housing market again. Yeah, how much time are you spending right now talking about the differences between 2008 and 2023 in the market and the collateralization of properties? And the I'm assuming you you have a pretty bright outlook in the market. I'm assuming that. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But how much time are you spending comparing and contrasting what's going on today, you know, versus what was happening in 2008? I mean, if the question comes up, if if we have buyers and they, they're like, well, we're waiting for, for prices to fall. Well, yeah, they could fall some. We, we never know. Uh, but they're not going to fall like they did in 0809. You're not going to get a 40% discount. That, that's just not, not going to happen again. Um, the problem is if you wait for prices to fall, you're going to be waiting a very long time because prices already are starting to rebound month over month. Um, so it's, it, you know, Yes, it does come up, but it's it's you're going to be waiting forever. Are you going to wait? Are you going to wait ten years to buy a home? But there, right. it's just not it's just not realistic. Yeah, it's interesting. The f- I think it's the five or six major indices for home appreciation, uh, you know, like Case Scheller and whatnot, uh, are all showing about four to six percent appreciation in home values nationally this year. And I think I think we'll hit that. And what people aren't understanding is as soon as interest rates come down, and they will come down. Uh, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. I don't know what sooner is, but sooner rather than later. 
the price of homes will rise when interest rates come down because there's a ton of pent up demand. What people don't understand is the last numbers I saw is there's something like 1.1 million active listings in the United States right now. And of those 1.1 million, something like 500,000 of them are under contract. So like we have like 700,000 active listings in the United States right now. The demand for housing is so much greater than the supply. What I tell people is you can't really have it both ways. You, You can't have a stable market and a ton of inventory. It, 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 it's right. Yeah, that's totally correct. Yeah. Right. So, so kind of, how are you navigating that? What, you know, based on how you started your career and obviously you, you were clearly changing strategies and marketing strategies between 2008 and 2023, kind of, what are you doing today? What's your perspective on how you're navigating today? Where are you finding the strengths and the opportunities in the marketplace? I mean, the opportunities now, it, it's because of the interest rates. Um, it, well, let me, let me back up. We actually probably have two different markets going on at the same time, at least mm-hmm. here in Metro Denver. Um, we have the markets where the listings come on, they're updated, they're priced well for what they are, um, and they have the features the buyers want. Those are still gone in like a week. Yep. So they'll be gone. Um, you know, I had one listing in my farm. Literally, we put it on and it went under contract in basically two days. I had, and it was only one offer, but I had two other interested parties that were going to write if we didn't have multiple offers or another offer in. I have another listing um, out on acreage in Franktown, which is out outside the metro area as far as it's on five acres um very specific house and that house is a three bedroom two and a half bath where it has a ranch level um the main level is just the primary bedroom and that's it there's no office no secondary guest room all the other guest rooms are down in the basement it's a very specific house yeah we've been on the market now like almost a little over 100 days um, we had one offer. Um, they got cold feet and backed out, and everything else. It's, it's a very specific property, and so that's what I'm saying. We have almost two different markets where, if it doesn't meet, you know, 90% of what the buyers are looking for, they're passing because they don't want to spend the money and pay, you know, the interest rate unless they get exactly what they want. Yep. yep. Um, so now back to your your main main question. Um, the people who are moving now usually need to move, whether it's job relocation, whether it's downsizing, whether it's divorce. So you're back to the basic, you know, four or five major life reasons that people move. It's not, oh, I just want a newer place or I want a nicer house or I need want a bigger home just for the hell of it. It is, it is a needs-based market right now. So you're not seeing move up purchase or anything like that. You're, you're seeing just like what you said, a needs based market, job changes, et cetera. Right, right. If the family's expanding and they have the funds, they're going to pay it. But other than that, yeah, it's not just oh, I want to, you know, I want to do this. I am starting to see, um, actually, with some of my rentals, that people now are getting called back in the office. And so they're like, well, now we got to move back closer to the office when they had moved away. So I am seeing that kind of respect. Um, 
or coming back now just recently. So you mentioned you have rentals. So, so obviously you're a real estate investor as well as a real estate agent. Um, were you a real estate investor prior to becoming an agent in 2008? Is that something you've always done or is that something that you're, has been part of your business as, as you've been growing it? Uh, no, I, we started investing probably back in 2002. We bought, our, we started our first rental and then started buying homes since then, since 2002. It's about a little over 20 years. So as you know, just because of the business we've done, I'm a bit big advocate for real estate investing. I think it's, I think personally, I think anybody who owns a home is a real estate investor, whether they know it or not, whether they're thinking about leveraging the equity in their home, um, you know, diversifying passive income. What's your outlook on investing? Kind of what's your overall philosophies about real estate investing and, and, um, you know, obviously you have bias towards it because you're a real estate agent, but kind of walk us through a little bit about what you see as opportunity, if any, in the market for, for real estate investing. No, I, I always think, you know, at least for me as a realtor, I mean, real estate's my 401k. You know, we don't have a company 401k match or anything. So that is our retirement. So as far as investing, there's always, you know, places that you can invest. Right now, Denver's kind of, it's really hard to get a return unless, yeah. you know, you can, so you can cash flow. But there's other parts of the country where, you know, you can invest and still cash flow. I think the main thing is it's always cash flow. You don't buy a property just to buy another property. You you buy it as a long-term investment and you at least want to try to, you know, cash flow positive or real close to positive where you know you can raise rents and, be positive after paying for all your expenses. But as far as a depreciating asset for your taxes, as far as, you know, having a tenant pay off your house, so it's only costing you a down payment, and then it, you're able to buy, you know, borrow against it, or you can, you know, 1031 and take it and buy a, a better or nicer, you know, investment property. I mean, there's so many advantages to investing. And it should be a part of everybody's, you know, you know, portfolio, whether they own stocks and, and other investments, most people, you know, most investors usually have one or two real estate, you know, properties with them along with their other investments to be diversified. So when you say 1031, uh, that's a, some people may not know it. What is, what is a 1031 in terms of real estate? So yeah, 1031 is when you sell one investment property and you take instead of, of cashing out and having to pay a big tax bill on whatever, you know, whatever appreciated in that property, you take all, all that, what you've appreciated and you roll it into another property tax free. So let, let's say if I bought a property for 400,000 and then, you know, five or 10 years later, I was able to sell it for 700,000, um, that 300,000 gain um, I would have to pay taxes on it if I just sold it straight out. But if I roll that equity into another property that's the same, a little bit higher price, like 700000 or higher, then there's no tax due at that time until I sell the next property. Right. So it's a great strategy. I mean, you're because you're always when you're in real estate investing, you're always looking for tax advantage, correct? Do I do I have that right? Correct. Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. You want to pay the least amount of taxes as possible. So, um, kind of wrapping up. So, so <clears throat> you, you've 
you have obviously gone through. So one of the experiences I'm having right now when I'm when I'm meeting with people is kind of we all have short term memory, right? Um, people who are now just entering the market, they don't remember 1979 when there were 19 percent mortgage rates, uh, 1980. They don't remember 2008. When, you know, I, I, I continually hear people say, hey, there's going to be a housing crash just like 2008. And as we already discussed, it's like that. Fine. We, we may have a crash, but there's no economic indicator right now that says we're going to have a real estate crash. In fact, uh, you know, real estate historically does very, very well in times of recession. So, you know, I don't see it. So kind of what you're navigating today in your office when you talk to other agents, buyers and sellers, and there's maybe... Um, and nervousness about this market. What's your perspective on that? Have we been in tough markets before? Are we going to come out of it? Is it doom and gloom? Are you optimistic? Kind of walk me through what your years of experience are telling you uh, where we're at right now. No, I think, you know, we're still, it's a tough market, but it's not a really bad market per se. It's just people adjusting to the interest rates that are going back to 30-year averages. I think like the 30-year average is a little bit over 7%. Yep. Um, and 40-year average is even less than that so, or higher than that. Right. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, the you know, the, the past decade of low interest rates, you know, and people are, are just not used to it now. But there's going to be still great opportunity, especially when rates drop. So uh, the main thing is with the buyers, it's okay, whatever the rate is, what they're saying, quoting you today, you know, whether it's seven and a half, eight percent, whatever it is, is okay, what can we do? What what are you comfortable with the payment with what you make? Okay, whatever that is, that don't look at the rate, but look at, you know, how comfortable you are with the payment. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, well, if we can get, you know, the seller to offer a, like a two-one buy down where they buy down your rate for two years, and then you you're able to refi in those two years to a lower lower interest rate, then you really aren't paying the higher interest rate. Correct. So I, I think there's there's a lot of education that needs to happen um, where buyers don't understand their options or are confused and they they only see the national headlines, which doesn't apply to them specifically in their situation in their market. Yeah, that's you're right, and and that's kind of what I'm seeing in the marketplace as well right now. So, well, Kirk, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, we appreciate it. anything. Any final words that you want to add? Um, any any parting pearls of wisdom that you can give to us? Uh, but we so appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just that every every client situation is different and it's just trying to tailor what's best for them in the market if they need to buy then then there's a there's a solution for them wonderful well kirk i'm sure you'll be a guest again in the in the future and thanks so much for giving us your time and uh, have a great finish to 2023 well thanks so much for having me on it's great talking with you go ahead and give us your contact information all right thanks mike uh, again it was great great talking with you and uh, my name is kirk waddell Keller williams realty and you can reach me at 303-246-1132 with any questions. All right, Kirk. It's great talking to you. I'll talk to you soon and have a great finish to 2023. You too, Mike. Thanks for joining us on Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And a big thank you, as always, to Rogue Media Network and their support 
of this podcast. They're so appreciated. My name is Mike Nelson. I'm the CEO of Efficient Lending Incorporated, a mortgage company located in Colorado, Texas, and Florida. You can reach us at YouTube at Efficient Lending or on Facebook at Efficient Lending. And of course, I always love a phone call at 720-419-3016. Email works as well at mike at efficientlending.net. Efficient Lending Incorporated, NMLS 1876539. And my individual NMLS number is 1314188. As always, thanks for listening to Mosaic, the stories of real estate. And we look forward to connecting with you again on a future episode. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.